0: But can I just be clear? I I honestly don't know what to do at this moment, but also like, how did we not accidentally do that one time before
1: season Yeah, we've never done that.
0: Fuck, that's so frustrating. Okay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I also don't know when we're gonna reschedule for.
0: Hey, Escaping Reality fam, it's Aggie again. I don't mean to make this in every episode occurrence, but just thought I'd give some context on what you just heard. We actually talked for one whole hour about season 40 without recording any of it. So you just heard the moment of the realization that we hadn't been recording. And so we re-recorded and it's all good, but we pulled literal time and a half to get this episode out to y'all. So we hope you enjoy.
2: You better be ready. It's coming for you. The fire is
3: burning And when this is through One soul will survive you It's coming for you
0: So watch me change everything I said about this. Yeah, Yes, seriously. I'm going to remember nothing.
3: I was thinking the same exact thing. And I was like, thank God the first part isn't recorded because you just hear so many differences and inconsistencies.
0: (laughs) Take two, you know? Take two. Here we go.
3: Take two. Escaping reality winners at war.
0: hi guys welcome back to escaping reality the podcast where four friends watch and discuss reality competition shows in order to escape mostly what is a disaster in the real world this episode we're talking about survivors season 40 winners at war i can't believe it but we actually made it to season 40 this year-long journey is finally coming to we'll just call it the end of a chapter because we're not done but it's the end of a chapter but before we get into it make sure you're subscribed and you've given us a rating or a review if you really Love us. And if you like our show, be sure to tell all your friends. We'd love to have them join the Escaping Reality fam. Hopefully, people are getting back into Survivor in anticipation of season 41. And we would love to hear their thoughts on seasons one through 40 as they listen with us. New episodes will drop every Wednesday. And last but not least, if you want your thoughts featured on the pod, you can email us at escapingrealitypodcast at gmail.com or slide in our DMs on Twitter or Instagram with a few sentences about your feelings on a particular season or topic for our segment the fans have spoken and we'll read and discuss them in an episode
2: (laughs) deep breaths we're
0: ready start again
3: i'm so excited to hear all the things we have to say about winners at war we haven't talked about it at all
2: nope i know what is everyone going to say about fire tokens i'm so
3: (laughs) so intrigued
2: so
0: now that we have introduced what season we are talking about season
2: 40 we're going
0: to go into one minute thoughts on the season what we liked what we didn't like just here where we're at stacy you're up first
1: so i liked this season season 40 And I'm just amazed that we made it this far, but I like watching it also just, you know, it makes me reminisce on watching it live because it was not long ago. A lot has happened, obviously, (laughs) but it's only been about a year. So it's just cool to kind of think back to that time. So I, let's see, what did I like about it? I mean, this is our first all winners season. I honestly, I'm like, I could watch an all winner season, like, every other season and really enjoy it and, you know, add in the new winners in the mix. But it was cool to see that. It was cool to see old school and new school and just kind of even hear from some of the players, like what the differences are. Cause I know we have talked a lot about like, what, what is old school? What is new school? I liked the Edge of Extinction because of, you know, this being all people I wanted to see. So I liked the Edge of Extinction. I didn't love the fire tokens. I think there's potential. So I'll get into that later. (laughs) I wish I knew what else. I said before, because I thought it was great last time, but here we are. Overall, I liked it. It's now cool to watch it after seeing every single one of these winners, because before I had not seen some key ones like Yule, Parv, Denise, Sophie. And I actually went back and even before we started this podcast, I watched those seasons like because I liked them in season 40. So it's cool to now like watch it and know all the winners, know every season they've played in, be like very aware of their story, their survivor story. So yeah, I liked it and... It's just, now I'm just like, let's get on to season 41. I need more now.
2: Anna, you're up, queen. I always see that when my name is next, but I'm like, I need to be called on first. So thank you. I really enjoyed this season, but I think more than the season itself, I enjoyed watching this season, if that makes sense. It felt like a very cathartic experience, not only because we've been doing this for a year now and like (laughs) timing wise like i just moved back out of my parents house at the time that we finished watching all 40 seasons like it felt like a real culmination of this project that we embarked on but at the same time it felt like a close of a survivor chapter for a lot of these players like there's multiple confessionals where they're like this was like this is the end of my run and like i'll never play again so like this is what this experience meant to me and i thought that that was really beautiful and a good way to sort of usher in the next era of what this show is going to be. Obviously, we don't have a new season right away, but it's on the horizon, which is exciting. And so it just felt like a really lovely way to sort of put a nice bow on top of not only what we've been doing, but just Survivor and what it has been thus far. It's a season that I'm not sure if I would have preferred to watch it, like to have been a fan and experienced it in real time, like with everybody else, and like the announcement that it was going to be an all-winter season and all that, or if I would have preferred to have the experience that we had, which is like let's sit down, watch everything in order and then close it with this and not necessarily have something new to watch right away for Survivor so it was a really lovely season to watch in my opinion and it has me excited for what the future of Survivor is going to be and what the future of this podcast is going to be. Nick.
3: So I was really happy to watch it this season. I think it's a beautiful way to cap off the year that we've had together you know us as a friend group but also you know with the podcast it's a beautiful way to like kind of come full circle and what was really funny is like a year ago is the time that me and aggie actually watched season 40 so it was kind of like this like fun reflective moment to be like wow like literally a year ago we watched all of this and then now like here we are again doing it so i loved that aspect of it
0: sorry just another quick editing interruption just want to be clear we are not done after this episode we have many plans for the future so any comments you make about feeling like we're at the end or wanting to cap off our journey are all said in the context of watching 40 seasons in a row but don't worry your girls and your Okay, ain't going anywhere. Now back to the episode.
3: I think the season was really strong in a lot of aspects, but I think there was also a couple things that were unnecessary to add in an all-winner season. Like, I don't think we needed all of the twists in there. I think we could have just relied on the cast and their stories to kind of pull together this one larger story of Winners at War instead of relying on Survivor gimmicks. Um, With that said, like, it's still going to be in the top half of my season's ranking. It's still really good, and it was still a very satisfying and fun season of Survivor to watch and I'm happy that you know like we're able to end the story on a great season you know it would have been really shitty if like we all watched this season and we're like wow that's it great so I'm happy that like we ended it we're like you know what yes This is a good way to end our journey.
0: I mean, the journey isn't over, Nan. Not
3: over. I mean, like, the journey of watching old seasons of Survivor. And I will say, too, because me and Aggie did watch this pseudo-live, I would say. We binge like, the first... Yeah, we
0: probably watched, like, six because we hadn't watched any of them. And then we watched week by week.
3: Yeah. So, like... We were kind of, like, in the realm of, like, what Anna was talking about, you know, watching it with the world, pretty much. But we didn't have the context of all the winners. And so going back, watching all 40 seasons, and then watching it, it truly feels like, oh, wow, this is, like, you're experiencing a moment in history. Which, that sounds so cliche, but it, like... It's truly what it feels like.
0: I mean I just know for me one I agree with everything you guys have said it was it was just such a lovely like bow on a second era of survivor I think heroes versus villains was a turning point for Survivor in terms of who have we seen, what can they do, who is going to have lasting impact. And then we built and built and built. And we've had some struggles, as you guys have heard on the podcast, us discussing, I mean, season 39, part two, there've been problems in this show. Like it's not a perfect show, but I think one thing that I'm very excited about is we set a precedent here, both with the people we brought back. It wasn't, you know, they didn't bring back every person of color winner, but there was some actual attempts to get some people of color in there there was some really exciting changes because I think where Survivor's at is after 40 seasons, you have to say to yourself, we can't do the exact same thing. and let's try some other stuff. Let's see what works, what sticks. And I think there are very few shows that have made it 40 seasons and or continue past 40 seasons. You know what I mean? I think the only things that come to mind are like The Simpsons. Otherwise, like nothing else has stood the test of time the way Survivor has. And I think season 40 is a really good example of why. Is it perfect? No. Were you glued to your television every episode? Hell yes. Were you like, oh my God, I can't believe they sent Wendell home. Or, oh my God, I can't believe Denise got Sandra out. Or like, oh my God, Kim, Tyson, Michelle, and Nick have just been left at Tribal because Jeremy left. What the fuck is happening right now? But you were like so invested. You were invested in everyone. I do think Extinction was more exciting because you loved the people that were on Extinction. And I think... It's hard for me to watch because Extinction and the Ponderosa series also for this season, because you were like, so many of them want to be done. Like so many of them are using this as a way to close their Survivor chapter. And do I really want to say goodbye to Jeremy Collins in the Survivor world? No. Do I want to say bye to Tyson? Like, no. Do I understand why they're being like, it's time? Yeah. But I think this season really propels us forward in terms of like the possibilities that Jeff and the production team have opened for... 41 and beyond i think it's really exciting to see where they're gonna go and that being said i think it was just a really exciting season of survivor to watch and i'm very excited to actually get into talking about it let's talk about who was there if you for some reason haven't watched season 40 and you found this podcast you found your way here i'm going to tell you who was here go check out seasons 1 through 39 episodes if you want to hear our thoughts on all of these winter seasons but really quickly we had two tribes at the start we jump off at the beach men women but that is not how they are divided they are divided into two teams or two tribes i should say Sele, which was the blue tribe which was natalie anderson from season 29 rob from season 22 harb winner of season 16 ben winner of season 35 michelle from season 32 denise from season 25 adam from season 33 danny from season 11 ethan from season 3 and jeremy from season 31 and then the other tribe was dakal which was the red tribe which included Tony from season 28, Wendell from season 36, Amber from season eight, Kim from season 24, Yule from season 13, Sandra, winner of season seven and season 20, Tyson from season 27, Sarah from season 34, Nick from season 37, and Sophie from season 23. Once again, I'm still proud of myself for getting those from memory. Be proud of me. I did it. So, really quickly, let's talk. How do we feel about how production divided tribes? There were kind of some interesting dynamics across this entire group of 20 winners. Um, so I would love to hear your thoughts on how the tribes were divided. Do you think it was fair or equitable or as, you know, random as they could make it? What do you think? Um, Stace will have you start us off and then we can just kind of whip around.
1: I thought it was divided pretty, you know, you could, you could say it was random. They probably wanted to have a certain amount of old school on each tribe. But aside from that, like it seemed pretty random. Yeah. Nothing stood out too much to me except for Tony, Sandra and Sarah all being together I feel like I would have preferred if they were split up a little more, but I think especially Tony and Sarah, just to start on the same tribe when they like have like a very well-known <laughs> alliance and bond, I think I would have tried to split them up, but Aside from that, I thought it was a good mix.
3: I think for me, I think it was interesting because they did have four old school, technically old school players on each tribe. So we had on Selle, there was Boston Rob, Parv, Danny, and then Ethan. And then on DeKal, you had Amber, Yule, Sandra. And Tyson. And Tyson. I don't know why I couldn't see Tyson's name. I was like, totally by game. But like you had like that even divide of old school on each tribe. And I'm wondering if it was, I'm wondering if that was random. Cause like, I just don't know if they could have planned that so perfectly to be random but maybe it was like well we have eight old school let's just put four on each tribe and we'll randomly select which four but like we know we had to keep boston rob and amber separated because that's like too too easy of a pairing to put together like they would have too easy of a time we saw what happened in all stars we shouldn't let that just happen from the jump i'm wondering like if there was truly random i know me and aggie were talking when we first started this season that Aggie was like it seems like a little unfair because like ethan and Parv are so close and they're both so close with boston rob 2 and everything and in my mind i'm just like thinking i think everybody is close with everyone i think it would have been really hard to try and divide the tribes up where nobody was close to anyone or there wasn't any pre-existing relationships anywhere and i know stacy has mentioned before that like people were kind of talking a little bit pre-game going in there and they be like hey uh, did you get a call from jeff Probst? and if so are we going to be in an alliance winkety wink wink so there's always going to be those relationships and i think especially in old school survivor players because they were experiencing the phenomenon of survivor in its heyday not that survivor isn't a phenomenon now but i think there's like a different camaraderie between players and especially the winners in those first 10 years of survivor Because it was like every season was shocking that it was like the ratings were just continuing to grow. It was such a huge social experiment and such a cultural moment that those first 10 years, if you were a player, like you were ingrained in each other's lives. So I think it would have been really tricky for the producers to try and like find no relationships.
2: Yeah, I mean, to that same point, like, I think what's really fun about all of these people is that there can be so many different combinations of folks who know each other, folks who've played together, folks, why am I saying folks like I'm an old man, but (laughs) folks who our friends outside of the game, even though they haven't played together, you know, like there's so many infinite combinations of how it could have come together that I like to imagine that maybe it was random or that perhaps there wasn't that much thought that went into it because of the multiple possibilities. I think it's probably more than a coincidence that like Rob and Amber are not on the same tribe, but like they could have been and that would have been its own interesting dynamic to see how it plays out. Like there's so many combos of people. We see that bit between Michelle and Wendell, the fact that they had dated and like they're not on the same tribe at the beginning, but eventually they do end up on the same tribe. So I think there was no right or wrong way to put the tribes together because whatever you got, it was going to be a pick and mix of interesting, fascinating interactions because everybody has some kind of connection in my opinion
0: i think for me i kind of posed this question because i thought it was interesting especially on Celle. i know nick kind of mentioned this but like rob ethan and parv are all together they're very close danny was not close with them but she was like an old school player jeremy and nat are very close so to me the Cele tribe seemed like a bunch of really close people and then like four random people but like close in smaller factions and DeKal seemed like sarah and tony and then just kind of random people Like people that knew each other, but didn't have like super strong bonds necessarily to each other. So for me, that's why I thought it was kind of weird. But that being said, I can also see what you guys are saying is like the survivor community is so vast and so far reaching at this point. And on top of that, especially a lot of the old school players just know each other from being around. Um, I also know like the new school players, I think also with social media are connected to a lot of them too. Just how they blow up, how other players like reach out to them and they're like hey i'm watching you i'm like rooting for you things like that i think there's just there's no way not to be involved unless you choose to take yourself out of that and i think that's where we had danny yule potentially who was the other one who kind of was like i'm not super in like kim and kim and denise a little bit like kim less so but they were kind of like i'm not I'm kind of a free agent, Nick. Like there's just a few of them that were kind of like, I know people, but I'm also just like, I'm not, not tied to anyone. And I think that's where the gameplay got really interesting. So we'll talk about that in a little bit, but really quickly, before we jump into just like really talking about the theme and the gameplay, let's talk about the two twists. There were two major twists this season. We're going to talk about fire tokens first, because you can't talk about Edge of Extinction without talking about fire tokens. I'm going to start with fire tokens. To quote our friend Jeffrey, it was a survivor economy. And we were very excited to see what that was going to do for the game. I think Yule and Nick were paid by producers to talk about it in every confessional they gave. They were like, we'll give you an extra grand if you mention fire tokens every time you talk to us. You know what I mean? They were the only two who really talked about it a lot. Jeremy, every once in a while. But Yule and Nick, it was constant. They were like, what are the fire tokens? What are they for? What do they mean? As we see, they were really only allowed to be used to buy things from the edge. But let's talk. How do you feel about fire tokens? Anna, you were the most vocal about the fire tokens, I feel like, between you and Nick. So we'll start with you and then go from there.
2: Most vocal, but I think certainly most positive, if I recall. I really liked fire tokens and I feel weird saying it because it feels like I shouldn't, kind of how I felt about Edge of Extinction when we talked about Edge of Extinction in that season. I was like, I don't want to like them, but I do. And I don't want to shy away from my like of them just to please the court. So I like fire tokens. I think certainly there are things that could have been better. And I know Nick, you mentioned this in your initial thoughts. This season and this cast didn't need fire tokens, but I think in the interest of moving the show forward like you have to try new things, you have to introduce new aspects of the game and to do so with a group of players who A, you know came to play and they know what they're doing and a a new element that you're throwing in is not going to throw them off but also the viewer is going to enjoy something new if it's kind of sprinkled within something familiar like nobody's going to be mad or as mad about like Tyson using fire tokens or talking about them as they might be with like a nobody and so I think to introduce them in this season was a smart move if they are something that we're going to see again because we'll we'll have had an opportunity to see them played by people who know how to play with that in mind because this was the first time we've seen them it was so unknown and so we were watching the players kind of figure them out as they went along which again if we ever see them again moving forward hopefully anyone who's playing on that season will have seen this season know what to expect and be able to sort of plan accordingly of like oh i know the times at which i might be able to receive one or how to potentially get more or how many may end up being in play by the end of the game what's going to be available for me to purchase with them because what we saw here was like oh Everybody starts with one and like you have a menu and you can pull your money and buy a tarp and like nobody did that. Maybe in a season of not returning players, they would have been like, we need a tarp. But we didn't see that here. But I think part of that was also because nobody knew what was potentially going to be on offer. And so the next time that we see fire tokens, if we ever do again, I think that will have been solved and we might be able to better judge whether or not we like them. But I like, I want one
3: make a necklace out of like benden because ben never used his fire tokens okay my thing with them to counterpoint from you anna is i think that they would have been better in a season of new players than they were in a season of returners one i don't think we needed this gimmick in this cast of people i think the crew the all winners could have carried it we didn't need this extra thing i think it muddied up the season where i didn't care about And I only care, I wanted to care more about the winners. But then I also think like, if you have a crew of new players, they're more willing to give themselves fully over to the twist of the game. And I think back to Island of the Idols, as much as I hated that season, people in that season, like fully committed to giving themselves up into that theme. You know, they were fully into it. They're like, I want to go to the island. I'm going to do that when they did the tasks with rob and sandra they're like well you know like i'm out here i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do the task something along those lines and like same with ghost island they fully gave into the theme and all that and so i think a new crew of people would have given into it more and maybe we would have seen more gameplay with fire tokens you know what the producers really wanted to get out of it the bartering between people like hey if you don't vote me out i'll give you two of my fire tokens something along those lines like we might have seen more. I also think a way to fix it is I wish that the things that, that you could buy were more to do with the game instead of like tart, a jar of peanut butter. I wish it was like buy an immunity item, buy a steal of them, buy, you know, the idle nullifier, things like that. Because I think that could have been really interesting to see. I know you could have bought advantages in the game if you're on edge of Extinction, But if you were in the regular game, you didn't have that option. And I think that could have been really cool. It would have given the fire tokens more meaning in a sense, because then anybody could spend them. Anybody could spend them and use them at any time instead of patiently waiting. So like maybe somebody from Edge of Extinction will give you the opportunity to buy an advantage, but they also might not. So you might just waste all your fire tokens and never actually use them or people like just might not bequeath them to you bequeath them i don't know it literally sounds like queef i'm over it i'm over it jeffrey so that's my thoughts on it i think like it could be used better but kira just muddied up a season and we just didn't need
1: it yeah i think that there was just i remember being so excited about the fire tokens like watching this live because you know i mean it is even if you haven't even then when i hadn't watched all the seasons like i knew that's never been done So it seemed like this cool element. And to quote Yule again, he he kept saying like, it adds a layer of duplicity to the game we've never seen. And it was just like, so hype about these tokens. And then it's like, what happened with them? Nothing happened like at Final Tribal, you weren't, there was not like a tally, like it was, I mean, You just use them to get, you know, advantages or to get food if you're on the edge or yeah, advantages to afford like win yourself back game or get back in the game. So I, my thing is, I think they should have been, there should have been more clarity on like, what are all the options for using these? like Anna was saying, like how many are even in existence on this island. And like, I, sh- I feel like they should have known, like, just so you know, these are mostly for potential advantages or for food <laughs> or like, I know they had the menu, but even that I feel like they all were like, there's something else that we're going to be needing these four. I also don't think we got to see the menu that clearly, because I remember watching it live, like people were posting on all these Facebook groups, like, what is the menu? (laughs) Like, what are the options? So I'm just like, if you want us to care about it, you also need to tell us at least like what, what's the purpose of this? So, you know, I think maybe someone (laughs) threw out this idea and they didn't fully flesh it out. So hopefully, yeah, if it comes back, hopefully they will. I mean, I think there's been a lot of critique of it. So I think they will make adjustments.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think you're totally right, Stacy. Overall, it felt like it was building to something bigger than it actually came to be. I think it built to something big enough at edge. Like Natalie having 14 at the end is kind of boss. And she bought three advantages for the challenge and an immunity idol for when she gets back and an immunity idol for Tyson. Like, girlfriend was spending those tokens. But I think for the people in the actual game, it felt like it was leading somewhere and then didn't actually come to fruition. I think, Stacey, even you have said in our other conversation, you were like, you know, maybe it gets you a vote at Final Tribal or something. Like, if you have the most, like, what do they lead to? Like nothing. They lead to buying things.
3: And, like, especially like what we'll talk about Edge, but like you had all these tasks at Edge of Extinction to get fire tokens and they had done working for them. And yes, you could use them to buy advantages in your challenge to get back. But other than that, there was no point in them so what was the stakes of using them like Ethan almost died in a challenge to get just one and then nothing came of that one fire token and it's like he used it
0: in a it, for an advantage the first time
3: yeah but like you didn't even get back in. it's just like it's kind of like the stakes didn't match the level of importance production wanted us to put on the fire token that makes sense to the people of the world
2: it definitely makes sense but I think to bring it back full circle like that is something that as soon as you do it a second time is fixed because you then you know the stakes so like I think with any new thing it's like well why are we doing it and it's like we wait and find out and you're like well no I, I would like to know up front so that I care and I know what to like watch for so agreed that like it's definitely an issue in this season because you're like why is Ethan going to die for a fire token when like it it's not going to matter for him but i think moving forward if we see it again that it will matter because you'll know why you would potentially want it and then you can make the informed decision of like is it worth it
3: i don't think i'm opposed to ever seeing fire tokens again i would be okay with seeing them again but i wish that they weren't introduced in this massive winners at war epic season I think it was the wrong season to introduce them. And that's my last tea and take on Fire Tokens.
0: Okay, that being said, the other big twist this season was Edge of Extinction. And I think we all have kind of said, you can't have Edge of Extinction without Fire Tokens. They were very much like in lockstep together this season. You could not really talk about Edge of Extinction and the value that the challenges at Edge of Extinction had on the actual game. <laughs> The impact that Edge of Extinction had on the rest of the game without talking about fire tokens. And I think I'm not opposed to seeing fire tokens, but I do not want them to be yoked to Edge of Extinction. I do not need Edge of Extinction every season. I think it will become a tired twist. So if I get fire tokens only by also having Edge of Extinction, I don't want it. To quote Anna Exitar of TikTok. I don't want it. But anyway, let's talk Edge of Extinction. We'll try and keep our thoughts tight, if you will. Again, Edge of Extinction is where everyone who got voted out went for a chance to compete to get back into the game. I personally think this is an example of a twist that production took pretty seriously based on like feedback from fans, previous players um just production thinking about it again in general one of the biggest critiques was like we didn't know about Chris other than like random information very little as viewers in season 38 because there was so little time at extinction here there were tasks at extinction you were trying this like bartering system trying to extort people you were trying to sell an advantage to someone back in the game you couldn't do it but you could get something if you found the advantage it made it kind of a little bit more cutthroat on the edge maybe to Nat's detriment in the end but let's quickly talk edge of extinction did you like how do you feel about it Stacy start us off
1: I did like it I liked it I think even more than the first time because I mean I, I think I liked it as a viewer because I didn't want these amazing winners to just get voted off and go home right away I wish Sandra wouldn't have but I also get why she did go home but it was just nice to still have a way to like hear from those players see them like, you know, to me, it would just not make sense to see them for one episode (laughs) and then they're gone. So I liked that. I think there were a lot of like emotional moments on the edge and I love good emotional moments. And I think there were some improvements. I think not just like automatically getting an idol when you come back was an improvement. I, well, that was the main improvement. (laughs) Cause I think after that, I mean, I would still say, I don't think like if two people are going to come back, I think it should be earlier on. I still don't like how someone comes back so close to the end. So I liked it. I don't want it like every single season, but I don't mind it, especially when there's like returning players, I would say. And I was way much more prepared last time. (laughs) But what I was going to say is I liked that you could affect the game even when you're not actually in it. I mean, there were multiple things that happened based on Natalie (laughs) pretty much being the one to find the advantages. So I like that too.
3: I think just to go right off of what Stacey, you just said right there. I think to counterpoint that is I just, I don't feel like they actually try to affect the game. I think they affected the game by chance because all the conversations that we saw were then being like, who can actually pay us? Like, who can actually give us the fire tokens? Who has that? And that's how they decided on who they would sell the advantage to. Maybe scheming was happening off screen, but like, I couldn't imagine production wouldn't show us that. It's like, that's my like, whole take on the situation. And I'm sure I'll talk about it more when we talk about Natalie at Final Tribal, because I don't really feel like she was trying to affect the game. I think she was trying to get these tokens as a result was also affecting the game. Game, which I think is different than directly affecting it. I think with Edge of Extinction, I just I just didn't need it this season. It seemed like a theme that could have lived in its own season, and then don't need to see it again. And I understand that they were probably like, well, we paid all these people to come back we need to get our screen time but like i just wish that we were more focused on the players still in the game than we were at edge of extinction because we got a lot of good stories and interesting life stories or just like what we learned a lot about the people on edge you know like ethan had beautiful moments talking about like his life surviving cancer and you know yule talking about penner and just like things that were were beautiful about Edge of Extinction, but it just kind of felt like I don't need to know this or I don't need to listen to you guys because you're not actually in the game and only one of you is coming back. I almost wish that the Edge of Extinction like cutaways were the ponderosa series like i would have loved to listen to those stories and to hear more about these contestants but i didn't need it in the actual game because it wasn't about the actual game and like me and eggy have always thought, and i've like since redemption island was first introduced like i just don't like the idea of somebody being able to come back in like i i'm a firm believer of like survivor you're voted out you're voted out that's it you know that's the brunt that's the harsh reality of going into to this survivor world. It's why people play so cut Wrote. it's why people are so aggressive in this game because you only have your one life to live there and i think having edge of extinction kind of takes away from that and maybe lessened some of these players gameplay in the long haul of the season
0: okay so two things stacy i know we talked about this the first time we recorded i have a clarification point okay so i don't necessarily think i think nat being the only one nat didn't really fight to stay in the game because she Thought her place was secure in the first vote. She even says this at Final Travel. She's like, I thought people would see my physical strength as an asset. So I didn't build a relationship. I didn't do what I needed to do to like stay in the game. And when we were talking earlier, I said, it takes away the harshness or the brunt of being voted out. So it almost felt like people didn't fight as hard. I'm going to, I'm going to change that slightly. I think it's more that when they got voted out, they weren't like super upset because everyone was like, well, I have a chance to get back in the game. And it's like, you do, but you're also against quite a crew quite a crew of people are at extinction so it was I think I was looking back at my notes and like Amber she's like without extinction there would be no hope and I'm like girlfriend there kind of is no hope for you you're not getting back in the game not when Nat Tyson your own husband takes your fire tokens to buy an advantage and an idol like you know what I mean like there's not hope for you realistically and so for me there were times where it felt like certain people almost laid down their arms in a way In this like war metaphor regardless of whether or not that's what they actually did it almost felt like that because of their cutaways at extinction where they were like i still have a fighting chance and it's like you kind of don't so that's my like mild clarification on that comment but also nick you were talking about how you're not necessarily convinced that nat affected the game on purpose because you were like she was so focused on the tokens and i actually do think she was pretty strategic about who she sent them to partially because she was looking for specific number of tokens but I also think partially because she did send them to certain people I think she didn't do a good job of like claiming that when she got back into the game and being like Tony I extorted you because I knew you were a threat or something like that or saying like hey I actually sent Sandra the idol because I knew she would be vulnerable or some of those people that she had sent things to were out of the game so she couldn't Get returns on that. You know how, like, Ryan sent Chrissy in season 35? Why do I remember things about season 35? I'll never know. But Ryan sent Chrissy an immunity idol for the first tribal. And then Ryan at the merger tribe swap, I don't remember, was like, Hey, I sent that to you. Nat didn't necessarily always have that option because some of those people had already been voted out. So she's like, I sent you an advantage, but now you're at the edge with me. And so it's almost like I agree with you. There were, it was, it was definitely two sided, but I don't think she took as much advantage of it as she should have when she got back and or at tribal final tribal which we'll talk about later i don't know if she made her argument well enough to prove that she had affected the game on purpose which is my kind of thought on i do think who she sent them to was purposeful but i don't think she took advantage of that in the right way does that make sense
3: yeah i i, I mean i guess we could talk more at tribal council so you're just gonna like i don't buy that because like the conversation was very much like sandra will buy an idol because she's sandra tony he has a lot of fire tokens like that's just like what we saw as like viewers, like that was kind of the conversations that we saw from it. And so that's why, like, I, like, that's why I took it down. But again, like it could, like, I don't know, maybe other people saw things that I didn't see or I didn't necessarily pay attention to, but from the edits that I saw, that's what it was. But again, we can dive deeper into this at Final Tribal.
0: Yeah, we can talk at Final Tribal. Anna, you take us home on Edge of Extinction and then we'll
2: go in. Two quick things. Edge of Extinction was definitely improved. I didn't hate it in its season 38, but it had its flaws that I think we attempted to correct here. The the most prominent being the fact that there seemed to be just more opportunities to get an advantage and to affect the game from the edge. Great. Good job. I think the biggest issue in this iteration is just that you can't have this edge of extinction without the addition of fire tokens. But as we kind of talked, when we talked about fire tokens, you could have them without Edge of Extinction. And I think that's where things sort of start to crumble in support of the Edge. Nick, to bring it back to your point about how you found it frustrating because like the stuff that happened on the Edge yes it did kind of have an effect on the game but like the scenes that we saw weren't necessarily related to the game and like it didn't matter because not not all of these people were going to get back in so like why spend so much time with them and I think that that is actually why we have it this season I think probably more than any other season we've watched up to this point which is all of them lol this one most of all really emphasizes the fact that Survivor is more than just the game and I think that that's a lot of what makes it a show that's been on for 40 seasons in 20 years is it's not just the moves and the gameplay it's the stories and the people and the dynamics that get brought to light and I think especially in this season where we have so many legendary players who are seeing their survivor journey come to a close I don't believe that the purpose for them was to come play the game and win the game despite the stakes being incredibly high like two million dollars and a double title like the highest stakes we've seen i feel like these players were in it for something different than that i think a lot of them were in it for like some closure some perspective some introspective journey. And I don't know how we could have shown that without having the edge because those storylines wouldn't have played out in the game itself because the game was going on. And I think that because that was the reason why a lot of these people were out here doing it one last time or doing it again, I think this was really the only way to showcase those narratives. And I think that's the difference between somebody like Michelle making it all the way to the end because she had something to prove, because she had that drive to say like, no, I need to Come back and treat this basically like a second chance versus somebody like Ethan or Amber, who it's like Ethan's whole storyline on the edge is like, I just wanted to get well enough to come back out here again. Ethan's never gonna make it back into the game. He knows that. He still tries, he puts in his effort, but. I think the storylines that we got on the Edge were not like how am I going to get back into the game but more like what does this game mean to me? Why am I out here and what am I going to take away from this experience? Maybe they knew that when they gave us the season for Edge of Extinction of like we're going to have this all winter season and we need a place to kind of put them, keep them on screen but not necessarily in the game so that we can watch this all play out. I don't know if they had the foresight for that but that to me was the real purpose of the Edge and less like oh how are you going to get back in the game because that's one two people out of a whole group that we want to watch them.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a beautiful end to our conversation about the edge of extinction and leads really well into our fans have spoken, which we'll get to in just a second. I think your point about the storytelling of this season, I think the storytelling of this season's immaculate. And one of the reasons I, like it is the storytelling I think you'll find that when we do rankings in our next episode the seasons for me that have a beautiful storyline or multiple storylines are the ones that rank highly for me in terms of hey do I want to watch that again Um, and so I think for that reason alone this season will rank pretty highly for me and I think for some of us as well but that being said there were obviously Edge of Extinction and Fire Tokens are two pretty crazy twists Um, Two really big ones. We had a lovely message from Anthony, a friend of the pod. So we're going to go into fans have spoken. We had a really great question about advantages and twists, um, which we thought would be really appropriate right here. So this one comes from friend of the pod, Anthony at White 97 on Instagram, and he asked us, what do you think is the most useless advantage or twist in Survivor history? Nick, you can start us off, because we know you were very excited and immediately thought of yours.
3: The worst twist is the medallion of power from Nicaragua. We all know it was terrible. Everyone knows it was terrible. Jeff Probst even knows it was terrible. Even when he was trying to announce it at all the challenges, the disdain in his voice was obvious. It amounted to nothing, and it was stupid. But it did give us the amazingness of Jeff just always being like, THE Battalion, OF POWER! But still, terrible trash. Never want to see it again.
2: Anna, you're up next, love. Despite this being a season that I love, you cannot deny that the haves and have-nots twist of Fiji, where one camp was given food and comfort and all of that sort of thing, and another camp was given Literally nothing. You can't deny that it was useless. I think their intention was good and deserves a bit of credit because if we had had this twist play out where, like, obviously you would expect those with the advantages to win the challenges. But if we had a narrative where, like, somehow the other tribe managed to win and, like, pull themselves up by their bootstraps and be the underdogs and, like, come through. Despite not having food or comfort, I think it would have been a really superb, successful addition to the game. But it's no surprise that that did not happen. So A for effort, but ultimately it's it's just a useless twist that we'll never see again. But the season's still great, in my opinion.
1: Uh, Stace, you're up. Okay. Mine, it's not necessarily like, it isn't useless. Like it has a use. I just don't like it. And it is the idle nullifier. I just, I like how night idols are a guarantee of safety. I don't like how we just all of a sudden are like, oh wait, that, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> like there could still be something to take that away from you. So that would be mine. And then as far as like themes go, I mean, I'll never get over Cook Islands because even though I love that season, like they chose to divide by race, <laughs> like never forget
0: It was a twist that maybe was a mess, but actually netted some really interesting gameplay and results. But at the beginning, you were like, no. Mine is the one from Pearl Islands where they did buried treasure, Um, mainly because it took them so long to earn the clues. And then when they got it, all the food was rotten. And um, there was one tribe that just never even got theirs. So buried treasure is just like, not for me. It was a failed, it was a failed attempt. And I don't think we would ever bring it back because it, it was a mess and really netted nothing. And the poor Drake tribe just couldn't ever win a reward or a challenge. So they weren't going to get their buried treasure until day 39. So I think that would be the one I would take out of Survivor history. Okay, we have kind of talked about the theme a little bit. So let's actually just dive in. This season was called Winners at War and it's our first $2 million prize season Our first all-winner season, and I think that led to a really fast-paced game the whole time. To quote Jeff, it was a game of cat and mouse, a cagey game of cat and mouse for like four tribals in a row. Um, he said that way too often. It was wild. But I feel like we just, I'm going to open the floor to things that you felt were interesting or exciting about the gameplay and sort of see where we go in that conversation. And then we'll lead into final tribal. So anything that sort of up until this point really felt like a key moment in the gameplay that was a turning point for any one of our final three. Anything like that, Stacey? I'll let you start us off, and then we'll go from there.
1: I don't have a ton. I think one thing that definitely stood out to me that I don't think you see as much with new player seasons is that you could tell like nobody wanted to be the one to say the name of who's going to be voted or like who are we targeting, and it was just so interesting to watch. Like if you did say the name. (laughs) then your name would get said. And it's just this thing where you have, like, this is why Kim, for example, is so good, is that, like, she knows, like, I just need someone else to say the name that I want, but I will not be the one that they can, like, trace this back to. And so that was very interesting because there were obviously a lot of final, or a lot of tribals that were still, like, up in the air and a lot of back and forth talking and whispering and all of that. But it seems like at the end of the day, if you did not throw out the name, you're generally safe, so I thought that was interesting. But aside from that, I mean, I don't know. There were obviously big moments when Denise used her idols. That was a big moment, yeah. Jeremy leaving was big, but to me, it was just—it's just like seeing all winners play. It's just like a different caliber. We're like they are not, like, you can tell none of them, like, happened to win. (laughs) They have certain strategy and skills that allow them to win. So that was cool to see that.
2: Something that I loved watching and that I talked a lot with um, my brother about before we started watching the season was how are some of these players, I say some because you know that not everybody's going to do it and that that's going to be the difference, but how are some of these players going to adapt their game to sort of throw people off the trail of what they would expect them to do or to not make the same mistakes that i I think of somebody like tony where it was like okay when he came back in game changers and he tried to like get up to his old tricks like it didn't work so coming into this season i was like okay i know that he wins how is he going to adapt his game or is he going to adapt his game like is it going to work this time or is he going to actually mature and change and adapt and i think the biggest difference is somebody like boston rob where you see him try to implement his buddy system and like people aren't having it they're like this is stupid this is not how we want to play we're not afraid of you, Rob. Like n- nobody's having it. Like he sits them all down in the in the thing, and like Sarah's like, you can't put me in a playpen. And I think Adam is like, I don't. Even, I love playing with Boston Rob, but like I don't want to play this game. I don't know if it was him, but somebody said that. And so that was the most interesting aspect of the gameplay to me. Of like all of these people have a winning game. Their winning game doesn't necessarily work in another season. And so who's going to change and update their style, and who's going to fall victim to their own? style of play and so I was happy to see Tony stay up to some of his old tricks but definitely have what in my opinion was a more level-headed view of the game and even someone like Michelle who I think she implemented a lot of the same strategies that she did but she she was also more aware of the places where she went wrong the first time even though she won and adjusted based on that. So that was what was really interesting to me, especially with the players who we have seen play multiple times, even though they only won once. So I I just thought it was fascinating to watch.
3: I don't have too much to say on gameplay, but what I do want to mention, and I think it's criminal, we haven't mentioned it so far, was the theme of Winners at War came with its own song, and I attracted it it is not on Spotify, and that is a criminal offense. I agree. It was iconic. <laughs> when <is> it? Oh, <laughs> when is it? It was oh god.
0: The use of it during challenges. The use like... of
3: it during challenges and then like the use of like you just hear you better watch <laughs> out. And, then, like, <laughs> and I was like this is the most interesting gameplay we have mixed in with those Tom Hooper directed um super zoom-ins on the people's faces and it's just like you better oh i was getting all tingly watching it it was great it was iconic but that was my best part of gameplay i got it it was just great it was iconic in every sense of the word it needed to have its special moment in time but with gameplay i was really the part that i was really excited to watch was sarah and tony like finally making cops r us work i don't know why it felt so special to me but it did and i was like yay they're healing they're together now
0: nature is healing
3: nature is healing the cops are happy that is a sentence i never (laughs) want to say again ew But for some reason in the game, I was really rooting for them and I was happy to see it. I think certain aspects of the game were more interesting than others. I didn't like the whole, let's target all the old school survivors and get them out first. Mostly because the old school survivors are who I wanted to see play more. Like Parv, I wanted to see her fucking wreak havoc on the world. So I didn't necessarily love that. And it also just kind of felt like a cop-out. Oh, well, you know what? We could do this. Like, it's fine. We already started it. Let's just finish. And it felt like people just didn't want to deviate from that. Kind of, you know, Stacey, what you were saying, people didn't want to be the one to put the name out there. And so no plans really ever got switched up or fucked up in a sense, because it's kind of like, this is the plan, we're going to stick to it. And yes, there's always like a lot of talk at the actual tribal councils, but it always felt like it was, it still went the way that they wanted it to go. And I almost wish that people weren't so afraid to put other people's names out there and go against it like if it, if nick was like i'm gonna stick with old school players like i'm actually going to work with parv and yule and i'm gonna stick with them and save them i think that would have been a really interesting side of things instead of just like new school old school and then like cops are us that whole group just like taking out everybody but like that's like kind of like what it broke down to
0: okay so i have a lot of thoughts on gameplay um i know we're on a time crunch so i'm gonna try and like truncate my feelings but like if we want to talk about gameplay for season 40 on a different episode i have feelings anyway or like slide into our dms and be like aggie i want to talk to you personally on escaping reality pod because i need to discuss it more but i know we're on a time crunch so here are my two things that i think were really interesting and pivotal one safety without power we saw as an option i think in season 38 or 39 i don't remember it was like a and a near season to this one And we all commented they didn't actually take it or use it. And Jeremy used it. And when Nick and I watched this, this time last year in quarantine, I was like, I was mad at Jeremy. And y'all know Jeremy is my ride or die in terms of like people I love in this game. And I was mad at him. I was like, why the fuck did you leave your Alliance there? Like now one of your Alliance members is definitely going home. And then on a rewatch, I was like, it's actually the only choice he had. Like it's literally the only choice he had because Sarah was gonna steal a vote and then they all would have gone on Jeremy. So like he had to leave. In order to secure his spot, at least one more day, he had to leave. So I thought that was just a really interesting dichotomy because he wanted to help his alliance. I don't think he was against helping Tyson, Kim, Nick and Denise or Nick and Michelle. I think that's who it was. I don't think he was against helping them, but he was also like, if I stay to help you, I still go home and our alliance is still going to be down a number, but I'm the one who takes the burden of that. So that that was really exciting. I thought Michelle winning immunity at key points when she was the name, just like for me further solidified why that girl is a badass bitch. And like, she was already like number 11 on my winner's ranking. She would rise now after winners at war, like bonus points for your game and winners at war. Cause I think she played the same game in Kyle Rong, but better. And she was, better at understanding like, hey, I'm in the middle. And she played from the bottom middle rather than the top middle. And I just loved that for her. I thought, we'll talk about her in a second, but I thought she just, in terms of knowing what she needed to do, Girlfriend came out and accomplished it. And I think while the gameplay is super exciting and super interesting, and I thought very intricate, I do think most of the votes went the way they planned. The one that comes to mind is Sophie, where it was a 4-3-2 vote, which very rarely happens. It first kind of happened with Saree when she did the 3-2-1 vote with Courtney, I believe, is who went home that episode. Um, but it's very rare to get a non-majority vote out. Um, and Tony orchestrated that with Nick. And I. it was very exciting to see them like playing this. That was a dangerous move. But I think it actually was really exciting to watch all of these things come together. And like you said, Anna, everybody had a winning strategy in their season, which is why it's so exciting, right? Like game changers, you didn't have a necessarily winning strategy the first time. Second chance, you literally didn't have a winning strategy the first time. So this, it's like, shit, I did something that worked. I think Ben's another good example of that. Ben only found idols in season 35. And then he came back and he's like, I can't find an idol. Like I literally, I cannot find one. What do I do now? And so I think for that reason, this season was just there's almost too much to talk about when it comes to gameplay because so many things happen so like hit us up if you want to talk more about gameplay for season 40 because clearly I have feelings and could talk about every episode one by one that being said I'm going to set the stage for final tribal and the final immunity situation and then we'll talk about our final three and then we'll be home stretch so <sighs> that was a bad introduction but you know what I meant anyway. So we get to Final Immunity. Nat and Michelle are like neck and neck on the ball dropping challenge. Nat ends up winning. She has to decide, does she make fire? Does she make Michelle make fire? Does she make Sarah make fire? Tony's obviously going to make fire because much like Rick Devins in season 38, he was the one that needed to be like booted during this time. Nat makes the choice to not make fire, and instead put Sarah against him, even though it felt like Michelle wanted to do it. And I feel like had said to Nat, like, hey, I'm good. I want to do it. I practiced. I'm ready. But she put Sarah in against Tony, and Tony wins. And Sarah and Tony have a moment that made me cry the most. And then it's Tony, Michelle, and... Nat in our final three at Final Tribal. Yeah, so that's where we are. If you want to talk about Nat choosing not to make fire, if that matters to your argument, I feel like what might be interesting is to hear your thoughts about Final Tribal and who you thought maybe did the best and who should have won potentially. If you don't think it was Tony, if you think it was Tony, why do you think he did better than the others and sort of go from there? And then that'll kind of like wrap up our thoughts on gameplay and Final Tribal and all these parts.
2: I do just want to mention about Natalie not making fire. I think. Chris, what's his name? Underwood. I think Chris set a dangerous precedent with his choice to make fire. And I think this is something that I said in that episode where, and even in Ghost Island, maybe it was Ghost Island, whatever season it was before that, where it was like fire. If you are confident in your fire making ability, it's the game winning move to make. If you're not, then you would never do it. And so I think Natalie got an unreasonable amount of flack for like, well, you didn't make fire against Tony. Like if you really wanted him Not in the final three, like you should have taken that upon yourself. Like, no, she obviously wasn't confident enough to do that. So, like, don't, she made the smarter move to say, I'm not going to put myself in a position like that. And I think with regard to her not letting Michelle make fire against Tony, despite the fact that at least from what we saw, Michelle probably would have had a better shot. I think that then plays back into Natalie's strategy of like, I think I have a better chance of beating michelle than sarah perhaps i guess my person who i don't necessarily think they should have won based on final tribal but i was really surprised and quite disappointed that michelle did not get any votes i just felt that that like i i couldn't figure it out you know and i even now i'm like still trying to figure it out because i think with a jury so large and a jury full of winners who know the different possible ways to make it to the end and be successful in the game I just thought that there would be more of an even spread of the votes that's not to say that I don't think that Tony was deserving but I just thought that it would have been closer or at least some votes would have gone to each person because I think they each played a winning game in their own right Not necessarily one that could have beat the other, as we obviously see, because there can only be one winner, but it would have made sense if any one of those three had won. And so I was confused as to how Michelle got zero votes. I will leave it at that. That's my take on it. Come for me in in the DMs.
1: Yeah. First off, I have heard that some people on the jury were like nervous to put any votes on Michelle because- they were afraid to like make it a tie basically if too many people did it or they're afraid to like skew, even skew it over to like, I think they like wanted Tony to win and they're like, we just don't want any confusion. <laughs> like we don't want anything to happen where it becomes unclear. So, but I, yeah, I mean, as far as Michelle goes, I think she played great. I mean, I think it was hard for her to have like any big moves to speak of necessarily just because of kind of how the game went. I, I, even though i think tony is amazing i mean i watching this i was really like tony is way smarter than you would think just based on him being like funny but actually that leads me to one thing I noticed is that he had the jury all laughing he was storytelling like he was telling such funny engaging stories that these people were like I love him like I love him and you always hear all these seasons you've heard like vote for who you want to like represent us for this season and I feel like he got them to be like I want to like if it's not gonna be me Tony is the most, like, just the best representative we could have, personality-wise even, and then also how he played the game. I think Natalie could have had a better, like, I think if Natalie had won, I wouldn't be, like, upset, even though I think Tony was great. Because I do think you can make a huge storyline on, I was the first one voted out. I did all these challenges regardless of why she gave certain people advantages. She can say like, I influenced the game. while, And she did say this, like she said, I influenced the game while I wasn't in the game but I think she could have sold that even more and I think that I mean she in her time back after the edge like she did play an idol she did you know some good things so I thought she had a chance but I just think it's like how can you I mean Tony he also brought up that he had zero votes against him the whole time which to me is like wild (laughs) that like I mean Kim mentioned he was a big threat I feel like other people noticed it but nobody wrote his name down so I do think you know he had a great final tribal and I think he deserved to win but I wouldn't have been like shocked if you know if Natalie had a good game and I do think that again being on the edge Rob was like why didn't you talk to me and um, my wife like the whole time we're on the edge like being on the edge can be a disadvantage I really think it can be and I feel like if she had just stayed in the game she might have even had a better shot so that's all I have
3: Stacey I didn't even like really think about what you said about like who would the winners want to represent this season and like to think Like, I don't know if this is in their mindset, but to me, I'm like, I wonder if they were all sitting there like, do we want a sneaky winner who played really low key, was on the bottom? Like, I mean, we love her and I love her gameplay for sure, but like, it definitely is very low key and it's not big and flashy. And I'm wondering if like some of those winners were like, "Mm, I think like a big flashy winner should be credited with being the best of the best, not somebody who's a low key winner. I don't know if that's going through their brain, but like that is something to kind of speculate and think on. I agree with everybody else. I think it's criminal. Michelle got zero votes. I think it's rude. I think Michelle had a remarkable final tribal, just like she did in her OG season. Like her final tribal was great. She explained... Her gameplay, she did the best she could. She was like, this is my moves. This is what I did. I wasn't able to make big flashy moves because I was always on the bottom, but this is how I did it. And this is how I made it to where I am today. And I loved listening to her and watching it. I think it was very obvious. I mean, again, I knew Tony was going to win, but I think it was very obvious that the jury wanted Tony to win. And they were kind of just like team Tony. We don't care about Natalie and Michelle. We'll ask them questions and hear them out, but they're not going to win. It's going to be Tony. And that's just evident from like every single thing Tony said, the jury was hanging on to every word. Cackling. Even like when he won in fire, they all gave him a standing ovation and applauded him for winning fire against Sarah. That jury wanted Tony. And I think it's funny because like Natalie said that when she came back and nobody believed her. Or like they didn't do anything about it. And to like the play and I, like I feel like maybe like I even thought when I was watching, it's like, I she's lying. Like it's not that big of a deal. And then like listening to Final Tribal, I was like, you know what? I don't think she was lying about that. I don't think that was gameplay. Then that was her being very true and very honest to the fact that the jury wants Tony to be their number one. My thing with Natalie is like I just, I just don't think that i remember when i watched this season originally natalie was kind of like who i was pushing for and i wanted her because i liked the redemption arc of coming back from edge and all that stuff but like watching it now i'm just i think she's the last person i would have wanted to win i think i really wanted michelle tony i was happy one i think tony deserved his win and like nat on the bottom i just i don't see a world where i could justify nat winning and i don't think she had the best performance at final tribal either I mean, she missed a lot of opportunities to talk about things. I agree that not choosing to make fire shouldn't deter people from voting for you. But her explanation about why she didn't was also not the best explanation. Even if it was true, maybe she really did want to see the demise of that alliance. And like, that's her harsh truth. I get that. It's final tribal. Give people what they want to hear, though. I don't care if you're brutally honest in your personal life at final travel you need to be a people pleaser and i think she should have said something along the lines of like you know i was already voted out i was already at edgeway station i survived all of that why would i put myself back in that position something along those lines because to just say that you wanted to see the demise of an alliance was a little meh like it didn't do anything and i also think it would have added to her resume she didn't have a resume Like Chris needed that in his. And I think that's a big reason why he won. And that was a big resume point. Natalie did have some things on her resume, but not enough to garner a win, I don't think. And so I think it was a really big missed opportunity for Natalie.
0: Okay, I have some thought. And then that'll kind of be where we wrap up before we go into our last few segments that we all know and love. Okay, honestly, end of the day, it should have been a three-way tie. I thought they all did an incredible job. I know that's not what we want as Survivor fans and like you can't split the two million dollars or give them each two million dollars but I think in this moment in this season none of them played a game that was worthy of zero votes for Michelle or even just four for Nat. I also Parv was not my number one winner when I ranked winners but personally other than Sandra I think she is one of the most savvy people when it comes to this game in terms of like I can game recognize game in a beautiful way and I thought it was really interesting that she voted for Nat I kind of wasn't expecting that from her and I thought when I saw her vote for Nat I was like that's really interesting to me one but also I just was like I mad respect Parv's opinion on pretty much everything when it comes to Survivor and so I was just like I think that speaks to the strength of the game Natalie played, but I think her performance in Final Tribal shows why other people didn't vote for her. I think, and I watched Final Tribal pretty carefully. I took like literally four pages of notes and there were times where they would ask Nat a question and she didn't answer that. And it was almost like she was confused by the question or like hadn't thought through, like, how are they going to poke holes in me coming from Edge? Because what she said in response, I'm trying to think of a good example, but what she said in response, I was like, you literally don't understand the question. So you're not answering in a way that proves that you should win, but you could win. I was actually really frustrated. I was like, Matt, that's not what they're asking. So now you're answering something completely irrelevant and that's not gaining you any points with the jury because they think you're avoiding the question when you're not like you just literally didn't answer what they asked. I think a really good example was the conversation about, I think it was when Rob was like, why didn't you build relationships with us? She just answered like this weird, I was just trying to get ready for the challenge. And I was like, Matt, he meant like the whole time, not like two days before the challenge. He meant like the whole time. I think her answer could have, she could have answered to make it seem like my goal out there was to get as many fire tokens so that I could get back in the game. Because at the end of the day, I got here day two. And my only goal the whole time was to get back in the game because I knew I deserved a spot here. Kind of like what Nick said, like she just didn't sell her gameplay As well as she could, even though I think she had a winning strategy, which is different from Nick. I also feel like Michelle just, for all her personal growth that happened this season, for her to get zero votes is insulting. It's insulting to the journey she went on to realize, like, hey, I'm a worthy winner. What I did was good enough. And then to get zero votes, I personally think if I were Michelle, I'd be like, are you fucking kidding me again? I literally proved to you I'm good enough to get here again. And Literally no one voted for me. After everything I've been through, I would be so pissed if I was Michelle. Michelle, I'm team you forever and always. Love you. My last comment, and then if anyone has anything else, you can throw it in. My last thing was, I think we've all said kind of like the jury was maybe in Tony's pocket. I actually think they were in Sarah's pocket. And when she lost fire against Tony, I think all the women would have voted for Sarah. I think every single one, maybe not Parv, because she and Nat had actually bonded at Extinction, unlike Nat didn't really bond with money people at Extinction, but I think she did bond with Carve. I think all the women would have voted Sarah. Adam was going to vote Sarah. He was like, I'm so proud of her for like calling Jeff out and making her call her Lucina. Sophie was like, I'm so proud of her. She's come so far. Like, this is incredible. I think it was Sarah's jury. And she just lost it in that final moment. And so I think, while I agree that once Sarah was gone, they were maybe Tony's jury, I think it was Sarah's jury overall. And she just didn't make it to the final tribal to see that come to fruition. And we didn't have a reunion where Jeff could ask. And I needed to know, I needed to know. Nick, I'm sorry, you had one more comment. No,
3: I And like, I don't know, because I'm not trying to say that <clears throat> Natalie didn't deserve her OG season win, but I will say seeing how she acted in this final tribal, I wonder if she would have done as well in her original season's final tribal if she didn't bring two goats. Cause she brought Jacqueline and Missy, who everybody on the jury hated. And so like, I mean, like I would just be curious to know. I don't remember how San Juan del Sur's Final Tribal went because I don't care about that season, but I will say she did. There were, it was two goats and Natalie. So I'm very curious to see, like, how, I don't know. I just, I don't, that's just me sprinkling a little something in there.
2: I think the other thing with Natalie is at least now we've seen that coming back and making it to Final Tribal from the edge doesn't necessarily mean that the jury will vote for you, yeah. which is something that we were like, ooh, I wonder.
0: Stace, any final thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean you could see like I feel like um Michelle did look very sad, <laughs> like was sitting there with her sister, which didn't get any. But if you think about it, I mean I do think that's like a fair uh concern that they had. If two people voted for her, then it's a tie, right? For between Natalie and Tony, Tony.
0: had 12 votes and Natalie. Oh had I
1: thought they had
0: eight <laughs> had 12 so um oh. it was 12 to four to zero
1: oh the they only so eight. Wait, i like dark
0: yeah, there were 16 people oh. right because everybody but sandra was on the oh,
1: man sandra could also have been on it but okay yeah. well I, then i guess they could have thrown her a few i thought it was like close enough where it would have been six six so they were like we can't really could have thrown her four
0: like nat and michelle could have tied and tony still would have had eight votes
1: yeah Where was, who did Wendell vote for?
0: He voted for Tony.
1: Oh, dang. (laughs) A scorned lover, you know, can't even get one vote your way. So yeah, I mean, I definitely think she deserved votes. I think she played very, very well. I also think like she had just like, I don't remember as much from her first season, but she had such a good attitude. Like that sounds so cheesy, but like she truly was smiling all the time. She was congratulating people who won challenges. And then when the people on the edge were like saying, their I don't know their whole like story about what Survivor has meant she was like crying along with them and I was like oh my gosh I want to be friends with Michelle <laughs> I feel like we would get along so yeah I do wish she would have gotten a couple of votes but I don't know I mean i I think she at least now knows like I did deserve to win and I, I'm I got to the final three in an all-winner season like nobody can really say anything about her so that's I think that's all I have
0: any other feels that you would like to air on survivor season 40
2: i would just like to say that i think it was incredibly disrespectful that sandra quit the edge and that's all i'll say about that
0: (laughs) we can talk more
3: we'll Um, we'll talk offline because how dare you
0: (laughs) i don't disagree i just feel like she couldn't have won so i I understand why she left
1: anyway i get it but i honestly wish she would have at least stayed the night like come on (laughs) i thought
3: the producers were like bitch we gave you so much money you can stick it the fuck out
0: all right so with that we'll move into honorable mention as i was going through this i think we all have some special feelings towards lots of different players this season because the way tribal were going there was never one specific person that was like oh we're getting a different like how do i want to say this like we're They're the only one in charge. I do think regardless of Tony potentially being in charge of a lot of thinking that guided votes, I think every person had a pretty valuable play. We're all going to give our own honorable mention. So I'm going to go first. Mine's actually going to go to Sarah Lucina or Lucina as she now forces Jess to call her, which I'm so about. Go off. You strong, beautiful lady. I think it was so beautiful to watch her and Tony like actually work together for once in their three seasons together that actually come together and like really truly be a friendship that while it was an alliance, it was a friendship. And like their moment when they have to build fire against each other and they do their cute little like weird handshake thing. And they're like, let's go. Like it's you and me. One of us is going to come out of this. I thought was just like very special. And I think Sarah for all the talk about Tony running votes She was as involved in most of those votes as anybody could have been with Tony being so crazy. And I think there's a moment where she goes, hi, welcome to my last 36 days. Just me trying to keep Tony calm. It hasn't gone well. And I am literally graying hairs, but here I am, I've made it to the end with Tim and I, who knew that we would actually get there together, but, and then she votes out Ben. Ben gives her permission, but she does do it. She didn't have to do it and she did. And I thought that was a really interesting moment for her too, where she was like, I need to have at least one thing. That's not just me and Tony. And so that girl came to play. And I think had she beat him in fire, she would have won. So she is my honorable mention. Stace, I'll throw it to you next.
1: Okay. My honorable mention is Denise. Because I feel like, well, first off, she took out the queen. <laughs> so if I can't say Sandra, I have to say the person who took Sandra out, which was Denise. And I mean, she did it in a very like cutthroat way, too. I mean, it's pretty impressive that, well, it's impressive, but also I feel like she should have saved that idol that she used on um, Jeremy, honestly. But I mean, she went really far. I feel like she was she had good gameplay and I don't know it was just kind of cool to see her playing without Malcolm without Malcolm because you know I feel like this confirms again like she did not need Malcolm to go as far as she did so she would be my honorable mention.
3: Nick? Mine was Sophie. I love Sophie this season and I think in her original season she didn't come across as cutthroat and as badass as she has proven herself to be in this season. Her and Sarah were running game and it was so much fun to watch. And I love the moment at that crazy tribal where she was just like, you know what? Us five, let's go stand over here and pick who's gonna go. That's it, we're gonna go do that. And it was just like, damn, go off and in a season of people who are all about like we're gonna build strong relationships and we're gonna like be friends with people she was like no i'm gonna play the game i'm gonna do it i'm gonna fuck shit up and i that's what i like in survivor players i don't care about you being nice to people so i liked when sophie was just like being cut through
2: and My honorable mention is going to the person who I think after having watched this season would jump the most places on my winner's ranking, which we did last week. And that is one Mr. Adam Klein, terrible player. Adam came in, I think 32nd on my winner's ranking and he did not improve his gameplay. But I think that he in this season was something that I've talked about before, which is we usually get like a narrator every now and again. And I think for a big chunk of this season, Adam was our narrator because he wasn't really in the game. <laughs> um, that sounds terrible, but like he just wasn't, he wasn't on the same caliber as the other winners that he was playing with, in my opinion. However, he brought this like energy and this childlike wonder of, like he was the fan, even though he was in the same community as all these other players. And so we sort of got to see everything play out through his eyes. And also he just seemed confused all the time. (laughs) Like it reminded me a lot of the things that I said about Keith when we watched Second Chance, where I was like, he just doesn't know what's going on, but he's able to comment on it in a way that is so relatable and so funny. And every time Adam had a confessional, like I would laugh out loud because something about the way that he spoke and the faces that he made and his like blind confidence, but also complete awareness that like he wasn't playing a good game just made him the most fun to watch. Um, In our group chat earlier today, Stacy pointed out that he looks like a meerkat, which I now cannot unsee because it's so spot on. And like, that was just his energy of just sort of like, sort of like, popping out of the ground every once in a while and being like, what's going on? And it just, it was such a joy. And to see that after really not vibing with him in his season, I think we got to see a really different side of him that made him just so incredibly likable. Yeah. Honorable mention, Adam.
0: I love it. He was someone who I was not excited to have back, to be perfectly honest, and did very much enjoy. Not for necessarily him playing Survivor, but for him being there. All right, let's move into our favorite segment, hashtag Jeff needs a vibe check. Um, Every season he needs a vibe check, and I think this season was no different. A man cannot be... I think he's never been more excited to see a group of people and or comment on them and their own tribal councils in one season than he has been in this season. It was like when heroes versus villains where he was clearly on team everyone because he just liked everyone it's that again so let's see nick do you have your jeff needs a vibe check moment ready to go
3: yeah It was at one of the crazy tribals, which every tribal this season was fucking insane. And Jeff had enough of it at one point where he was just acting like a race car commentator. And he's like, and they're coming around the bend. Here comes Jeremy talking to Denise. (laughs) And Denise is going to turn right here and talk to Nick now. And now Nick is going to come over here and talk to Michelle. And Michelle's on their tails. Oh, they're they're about to sit down. Oh, but somebody else gets up. I was like, Jeff, you good, bro? You good?
0: It was very funny and very enjoyable. Stace?
1: Um, mine was very early on when all the people arrive, they have their champagne or whatever to celebrate. And as their toast, Jeff says something, I didn't write it down, but something like, because, and I'm not going to do the accent, but he uses a... <laughs> his best attempt at a british accent i think and says a drink before a war is always a good idea and i just i don't i don't remember seeing that or hearing it when i watched it live but i had to like rewind and i was like are we okay with jeff just like going off script like what's happening to him so that is mine
3: it was also the moment directly after stacy where he's like just throw it just throw the cup behind you. Just get rid of it. And you're like, Jeff.
1: I'm like, oh. you're going to pick those up, Jeff. I was like, those
3: <laughs> four interns have to spend the next hour looking for all the glasses. It was a mood. It was a mood.
2: Anna? Mine's literally the same as Stacy's. <laughs> like, literally, I wrote down the quote, which you've already said, so I will not repeat it, especially not in the weird accent that he did. And then I just wrote, WTF? How un-Jeff-like was that? Like, I've, ne- I've never in my 40 seasons of this show seen him do anything quite so out of character. And it really threw me for a loop. <laughs> and like, it was just, he was frenzied. And he was, i probably nervous to be like back with all his pals. And he was so incredibly thirsty to like be their friend throughout the entire season, especially in like the first couple tribal councils. Like he really like wanted to know what was going on and like see who was pals and play with them. But yeah, that first, that moment of him being like a drink before war is always a good idea. Like what gremlin possessed your body, Jeff Rose? And like, how do we like exercise it out of you? just upsetting.
0: He was just like on one all season blog. I think one, I have a few for him, but I really loved when Adam tried to play the flirtily on the podium and Adam's like nothing huh and then he goes to sit down and he's like and Adam's like it's not an idol right or something like that or it was worth a shot and then Jeff goes you're convinced it's not and so Adam's like I would like to play that I would like to play that thing and then he's like it's not an idol and I was like Jeff why did you give him hope that was
2: so unkind like it was so unkind
3: but can we talk about like it should have been. It was. I think that 100%. moment was Jeff
2: being like, oh.
3: Jeff like waiting it's for it's like perfect. the producers in his earpiece to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is. It is now. It is. Right now it is. Yep. <laughs> Like, Adam did it. He he made our show better. It's fine. Yep. Yes, it is. It 100%. But it didn't come, and I wanted it. It would have been so good.
0: It would have been very, very funny, but I really did enjoy that moment of, like, you're convinced it's not. And Adam's like, I would like to play that. Can I play that? It was just it was a very special moment. I also just think it needs to be discussed when he hugs all of them after the loved ones visit. And... They all go, thank you so much, probes. Like you're a real one. And he's like, it was a thank you to you guys for coming back on the show. And you're like, Jeff, don't make me emotional. Don't make me emotional. I also just feel like Jeff was on one with his statistics. I think the really good example of that one is the ball dropping, rotating thing he's like, just so you know, the only one of you that's ever won your final immunity was Michelle, the rest of you won your season but didn't win final immunity. And then he was like, also we've done this challenge every like four times to get to final four or final three. And all of them who won this challenge won the game. And you're like, Jeff, what are you doing? Like just spewing facts as if we are like, I mean, I, as a viewer, was very interested in your facts, but they're like, I'm trying to fucking concentrate, Jeff. Shut up. Anyway, um, so let's do our rapid fire. We have a few. I'll try and make them quick. I think they're pretty much like, give us a thought and then be done. But- our first one is, who is another winner who was not there that you wish had played or had been asked? Regardless, we don't totally know all the backstory here. So who's another winner you wish had played? Anna.
2: So I feel like everyone's going to expect me to say Cochrane, which like, yeah, for sure. But his reasons that he said for why he didn't play, like, I totally agree with. Something that I was thinking... <laughs> when I was watched the first episode and saw who the cast was, is we have almost every female winner except for Tina, Visepia, Natalie from Samoa, and Jenna Marasca. And I was like, they would never bring back Natalie because she's irrelevant is probably too old. I feel like Vesepia would be the obvious choice. But to me, actually, the person that I would have liked to see in this group dynamic would have been Jenna Maraska, especially considering that she and Ethan dated. I don't know if she was asked or what, but I think it, it could have been another added layer of like those personal bonds outside the game
1: playing a factor. So she would be my pick.
0: Stace?
1: I would have chosen Earl or sepia honestly but i think earl because i do think he's underrated
0: you can't have a unanimous win and not be thought of as a good winner nicholas
3: i mean my obvious choice is todd from china duh but i think going with like the i actually like was thinking about this a lot because I was reading online how they decided the cast that no, we want a mixture of the really early seasons, the middle, middle-ish seasons, and then the new seasons. And I kind of wish that they had Natalie from Samoa. I get it, she's kind of irrelevant, but, like, going in this theme of winners that people feel didn't deserve their win, I think she had a lot to prove. And, like, I think we discussed in that season that we don't feel she was irrelevant to it when we talked about it or, like, I mean, like, it was clearly the Russell Hantz season, but that she. She was like a good winner nonetheless or like deserved her win nonetheless. So like I would have liked to see her play again and kind of work out why she is painted as such an irrelevant person. I think she had a lot of story arc there. So I think that would have been, it would have been interesting to see her
0: it's kind of hard for me. I actually think Vesepio would have been a good one just because she was very relationship based and she had played with Rob and I think that could have been interesting like for a different aspect like someone who knew Rob at a very different time could have been an interesting past relationship to get into. I also, Chris Underwood I think would have been very interesting to have on this season for perspective on Extinction but he only found out he won a week before filming started for this season so he wasn't considered just like a fun trivia fact but I think his perspective on extinction would have been helpful as a jury member had he not been in like the final four type scenario. Because of timing, he couldn't. But I do think it would have been interesting to have the only other person who ever came back from extinction and was then in the same position as Nat their perspective on the game okay final challenge we get there there are 13 or something people um, in this challenge to get back into the game not sandra because she had quit at edge of extinction she's like i'm out not gonna win the challenge so it's just not worth it which queen shit that being said who were you rooting for to return to the game if you were rooting for natalie great but if you were not who did you want to see come back And I'm just going to go on record that I had forgotten how close Wendell was to being back. And so in my brain, I had thought I'd been rooting for Nat, but I think I was rooting for Wendell because he actually should have maybe pulled that out. And he just like, fucked it up at the end and Nat had so many obstacles even though she had th- three advantages like she couldn't get it together so it was actually like stressful to watch her and I was like Wendell just like came in and kind of crushed it and I was kind of sad so I, w- I was rooting for Wendell to get back in the game because I think also he had some relationships with people and I think he could have fucked up some shit when he got back. Stacey who
1: were you rooting for? I was rooting for Natalie I think especially the first time I watched this I was rooting for her but also Yule because that just would have been nice as well. And he was close too, so.
0: He was, he was. Nicholas?
3: I would probably say Yule, because I think Yule had a chance to build relationships with the people and possibly... Do something with them yeah you will
2: and anna i was rooting for tyson because i thought it would have been so dope if he came back into the game not once but twice and i think he had a good shot so i as i was watching i knew that natalie made it to final three so i was like i know that she comes back but in my in my secret heart i wish it had been tyson
0: um anna thank you so much for enjoying my The love of my life as much as I do let's do favorite confessional moment and or random quote I feel like this has sort of become a like thing with us is like there's just so many quotable things that people say or moments that people have so what was your just favorite like confessional moment or like thing that made you laugh out loud the most or most enjoyable thing that happened on the season Anna you looked like you were nodding and ready so I'm gonna let you start
2: Yes, once again, my king Adam Klein, absolute star of this season. I don't remember what he says, but there is a confessional, and I wrote down what episode it is. Let me check my notes. In episode eight, Adam has a confessional where he's just sitting like a he's like in like a little ball, like his knees are tucked up, and he's got his arms around them, and he just looks so small, like small, like S M O L. Adam Klein, short king. Like I just I couldn't tell you what he says. Probably something hilarious. Like I think he's talking about how like. Like he doesn't want to go home or like he doesn't want to go to the edge or whatever. But it's the way he's sitting that just really, it took my breath away. It was so funny and so weird.
1: And I just, it was adorable. I love him, my king.
0: Your king. Um, Stacey, you ready?
1: Yeah, my, I guess, favorite moment was... Tony making the ladder and just all the like all the commentary about it and them all saying like we didn't think he was serious and then he just like got up there and it was like that's when they all realized like oh he's not a character like this is him in real life
0: it's not a facade it's literally just his personality Nick are you ready now baby it was
3: I had an aneurysm oh god it was the first individual immunity challenge where they were holding on to the giant pole and as soon as the challenge starts adam is like i'm scared y'all this is high i'm scared and i was like thank you for saying what i have been thinking since the first time they did this like if you fall in the wrong way you're dead you die i would be terrified
2: it was extra high for him because he's so small because he's such a little (laughs) miracle stacy i just I almost said
0: one of yours because there's a quote where Sophie in reference to the latter, she's like, it's like playing with a kid who's playing make-believe. But then you realize, no, they think this is real in reference to Tony, which I thought was just hilarious. But I also love in that same episode, they do the immunity challenge, which has now become like a kind of regular challenge where they like make the wheelbarrow, they get the keys, they get the chests, and then they have to push the chest and the wheelbarrow, like take it apart, put it back together, like the whole thing. And Ja'Kal wins. And so Rob, M, Ethan, and Parv are like freaking out because they're like, this is the second time we've gone to Travel Count It's Not looking good for us. And Ethan turns to Rob and he goes, you suck today. And And Rob goes, you weren't much better. And it's just like, was this moment of like yeah we're old now and like we can't we can't play this game the way we thought we could which was just like very funny and like a very real moment they were very much joking like laughing having this moment but I was just like oh my god it was so funny you suck today so did you you weren't much better and I just I appreciated that these 40 year old men were like, it's, it's not what we thought it was. And that's a bit of a bummer. Okay. I feel like we just have to do a favorite Tony moment. I understand that sometimes Tony Vlachos is not the person I want to hang out with outside of the game, but damn, he makes good television. So favorite funniest thing that Tony did, Nick go.
3: It's a tony and sarah moment but it's when sarah needs to sneak into the other camp to steal the sneak a vote or steal a vote sneak a vote what the fuck is going on with you're me? gonna
0: slip a vote in there he's gonna sneak
3: it in jesus christ and they're like putting ash on sarah's face to get her ready to go in and he's like spit in it <laughs> on at sarah and she spits and all the dust flies up in their face and they both just look at each other and they're like the hell are we doing? Why are we doing this? And I'm like, I don't know. This is unnecessary. You muted yourself, Stacy. tell Stacy
1: to go. I'm
3: so tired. It's a
1: disaster, honestly. <laughs> like, you want to go last,
0: Stacy? No, said. no,
1: no. I can go. i was saying this is disastrous. <laughs> but Four I, seasons later, we lost our shit. We
2: completely forgot how to do a podcast. Stacey, you're up.
1: Okay, well... If I would have read through all of these, I would have saved the latter comment for this, but I'll talk more. This isn't as funny, but with his gameplay, I just, this season realized like Tony is very, very good at this game and is thinking ahead of like other people. But there was this whole thing where when Natalie comes back, she's going to use, I think she's going to use her idol. So basically Tony wants everyone to just vote Denise out so that he and Ben don't have to use their idols to do that. (laughs) And he like says that so clearly, and they don't listen. And then what? And it's like he knows this is gonna happen. He's the only one who thinks that Natalie could have an idol. Sarah's like convinced there's no way. So exact. It's just when you see that tribal, it happens exactly how he was afraid it would happen. And I was just like, wow, Tony is smart. <laughs> so that was just my eye-opening moment with Tony.
2: Anna, Tony really won me over this season. I didn't dislike him coming into it but even when we watched on I knew that Tony was the winner of that season and that he was like this big figure in the survivor world and then i knew that he was the winner when we were watching this season and i just i kept having these like expectations of what he would be like and then he kind of shattered all of those things with how goofy he was with how likable he was and i just even after watching uh kageyan i still wasn't really expecting it and i just i loved how goofy he was i loved when we saw him with his kids but my favorite moment this season of tony's was when he was talking to jeremy and they were looking at that random calendar that they had and tony was like oh yeah it's two weeks and jeremy's like wait a minute what he was like yeah it's two weeks and he's like it's it's nine days and tony's like yeah two weeks and they have this whole conversation and you can see jeremy like the shock in his eyes realizing like it's not a bit and i feel like that was the theme of tony is like it's not a joke this is just how he is and jeremy had the realization at the same time as i did where i was like oh my god no this is he's living his truth nine days is two weeks and he explains it and you're like no that checks out like i get i get where you're coming from so yeah i along with jeremy was like oh this is tony great I'm on board I love it that's also
0: one of my favorite moments of Tony I think he's just hilarious in that moment and Jeremy like tries to argue with him and it's like why are you trying to argue with the crazy person but Tony goes on record being like I don't have any fire tokens no one leaves me any fire tokens he's like I don't have anything I'm the poorest man at camp and then he's like and then he goes I'm like that kid at the bodega who can't even afford gum and I'm like what (laughs) what are you talking about which I just like really enjoyed in that moment um, he also talks a lot about how he's like, I never go anywhere. I never leave my town. This, this is my only adventure. And I was like, oh, Tony, don't make me like you. It's happening. And then one last rapid fire question, it's going to sound like honorable mention, but it's slightly different. Who is one winner who you think actually got like a redemption arc, even if it was just for you? Um, Maybe not necessarily in the game, but someone who you were maybe not super excited to see. And then across the season, you were like pleasantly surprised by you. It sounds a lot like that was Anna's honorable mention of Adam. Like think that vibe, but for everyone now. And Anna says she has someone else. So who do you think got redemption in your eyes? from their previous season or how you thought about them going into the game so Anna do you want to just start us off
2: I will start yeah I think the things I said about Adam definitely could translate to this question but I'm gonna say somebody else um I'm gonna say Ben and if you go back and listen to our season 35 episode I liked Ben and one of the things we said was like okay let me wait and see how I feel about him when we get to season 40 because everybody was like oh no and I think Even though I liked him before, I feel like he redeemed himself, maybe not in my eyes, but in other people's eyes. He played a really kind of goofy game. Um, He wasn't really calling any shots. He was kind of just winging it with the people that he was with. He was in the tight alliance with Tony and Sarah. Um, But as we saw with that, he he had these moments of perspective and self-awareness of like, he knew that how he had been perceived from his winning season. And I think he came in... With the goal of reversing some of that to the best of his ability of saying like, I know that people don't think that I deserve my win, that I just had a bunch of idols, which is true. But it was his own recognition of that that really redeemed him, in my opinion, of his ability to say like, I know that that's what people thought of me and they're not necessarily wrong, but I'm here to show that I'm more than that and that I'm a full well-rounded person and player. And yeah, he may not have been the best on this season, but I think as a character, which I know he's a real person, but as a person within the game of Survivor, I think he had a really transformative
1: two-season arc.
0: Agreed. Um, Stace, you ready?
1: Yeah, mine was Tyson. I just, I mean, I've always thought like he's, you know, he makes good TV because he's very sarcastic, but seeing him with his daughter and seeing him just like clearly like the way he said, you know, my job or what I'm like good at has always been survivor. But until I became a father and realized, like, I can use my quirky, weird skills for that. And just seeing him, like, showing his daughter, like, this is what I wear to work. Like, this is where I go to the bathroom. It was so cute. Like, I got very emotional with Tyson multiple times, which I didn't see that coming. <laughs> so
0: I've been new about Tyson, but I'm so glad you've joined me, Stacey. Nick. Well,
1: for the, like, only for this season. I still. <laughs>
0: Wait, I'll take it, Stacey. I'll take any Tyson love I can get. Nick, you're up.
1: Um,
3: shocker, it's not Tyson um no mine is i was going to pick ben like anna i think ben had a transformative moment still don't love him but i think he was better portrayed this season than he was in his og but i'm gonna go off the cuff and say danny random but we had so much more, we probably had more cutaways of Dani in Winners at War than her entire run on Guatemala. And I like her cutaways. I think she's interesting and she had a lot of cool things to say. And she was good at like the Edge of Extinction challenges and she made friends and she was chatting. I don't know, like we just like got to know her more than we did in Guatemala. And I liked getting to know her. And I wish we got to know her in her original season because I think we would have felt differently about. Her win, but I enjoyed her arc on the show and watching her and seeing the type of person she is.
0: Similarly to my choice of Sarah Lacina for honorable mention, I just honestly I think most of the women could fall in this category because a lot of the women were afraid of their own titles, like their win, because people told them, "Hey, you didn't deserve it," or "Hey, you were a complete bitch." And like Sarah starts this conversation at a tribal with Jeff and says, "You know, people, why is it that I get labeled a bitch?" And if If Tony does the same thing or another man does the same thing as me, he's considered a strong player. And then, you know, Jeff has this whole moment of like, you know what? I maybe haven't even done, I've maybe done that. And so I think someone who actually gets redemption and validation for her win is Michelle. In season 32, in our episode, we talk about how she should have won. And like, I have no question she should have won. But she talks about in a moment where she's like, what became one of my proudest accomplishments became one of the lowest points of my like self-esteem, because everyone told me it should have been someone else other than me and her moment at final tribal where she goes I've been to 15 of 19 tribal councils this time my first time around I only went to six and so I had a lot of questioning about whether or not I actually deserve to win and I can say that no it actually has to do with who I am and the strategy I have in the game I play because I am in completely different circumstances I played from the bottom the entire time and yet my name was either not in your mouth or I had immunity. And so like, you don't get to come for me and say like, well, Michelle is not a valid player. And it really guts me to my core that she gets zero votes in Final Tribal. Guts me to my core, which we've already talked about. So we will see you next time. Can't wait to tell you what we're up to next. Keep an eye on our Instagram, social media, all of that. And we will tell you where we're going next in terms of what we're going to watch, what we're going to talk about until season 41 starts up again. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for listening. I'm officially a broken human being. I'll see you next time.
3: Peace out, motherfucker.
0: Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Escaping Reality. We're so grateful to have you all in our podcast fam. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow for new episode notifications. We love interacting with you and want to hear your take on the season. Slide into those DMs at Escaping Reality Pod on Instagram, or tweet us your feels at ESC Reality Pod on Twitter. Go ahead and hit us up. We're excited to continue to grow our podcast in a few different ways. One, if you're a Survivor alum, we'd love to chat with you about your experience and or any of your Survivor feels. Reach out to us on Instagram or email us at EscapingRealityPodcast at gmail.com. We are also looking for our listeners' help. We are starting a new segment called The Fans Have Spoken, where we read a listener's feels on the season and then discuss them as a group. If you want to have your thoughts read on the pod, shoot us an email with your name, Instagram handle, and three to five sentences about a particular season. We can't wait to start this new segment soon, but we need your emails first, so send them our way. Thanks for listening, and thanks for escaping reality with
2: us. You better be ready. It's coming for you. The fire is burning,
3: and when this is through, one soul will survive. It's, it's, ready. it's coming it's for come. you.
2: to keep your eyes open they're coming
3: for you